through that process, you got to see and test what your endurance was, right? And your resilience. And these are the things that when we follow through and we don't renegotiate our goals, you can't help but to come out on the other side with more self-esteem, more self-respect, and it spills into everything else. Well, all of my pivots, you know, they've all been at the right time for the right reasons, putting me into the next forward step or the next chapter. That's really important part of the journey. Welcome to Unscripted Pivots. I am your host, Danielle Sprouls, and I'm beginning this laughing because I have somebody really just so cool in the house and we can't stop giggling and we're just two minutes into our conversation. Welcome, welcome to Kate Schumacher. Hello, Kate. Thank you. So happy to be here laughing with you and more importantly, (laughs) having this conversation. (laughs) I know. We got a lot of pivots to discuss today. We certainly do. Just so everybody out there knows, I met Kate through Crew Orange County. You've heard me talk about uh, Crew Commercial Real Estate for Women, and Kate and I are both part of the local chapter, very actively so. Kate right now is with Assured Partners. She's been there two and a half years, and she is the agent agency sales leader. Assured Partners is the 11th largest independent insurance brokerage firm in the nation with over 250 offices in 34 states and England to boot. Assured Partners is committed to partnering with successful regional and local insurance providers that share the same goal, which is to service customers better than anyone. And that's why they hired Kate, because she can do that. Let me tell you a couple things about Kate. She has licenses and certifications. Kate is a real estate certified insurance professional. She's also has her license in property and casualty insurance. She's also very philanthropic. She volunteers for the National Charity League, where she is the chapter T co-chair. I want to hear about that, Kate. As I mentioned, you're part of Crew Orange County and you are spearheading the Spire Awards Committee. She's a member there and I know that she's done videos trying to get the sponsors on board. Kate is also from the University of Michigan. So if that's one of your alma maters, a shout out to you out there. Uh, She studied history, uh, art history, history of art there. And there's a couple things, guys, I'm going to want to know because when I was looking at the LinkedIn profile of my friend Kate, I found out also the following facts. She's an Ironman finisher. She's also a champion equestrian. She's a mother of two. That I knew. And I did not know the last one. We're going to hear some explanations. She's a fighter for dyslexics. So, okay, Kate, we, we put a lot out there. And then we're going to talk about where you came from and how your pivots were happening. But let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Pick any part of that and tell us. We can start with your job. Because I know you love it. I know you love it. And it was a big pivot for you. I do love it. If someone told me I was going to be two things, if going back years <laughs> past, if someone told me, A, I would be in sales and B, I would be in insurance, I would have said, you are looking at someone else's crystal ball because there's <laughs> no way no I way. would he ever well, be in either of those. I, I'm going to cha- challenge that statement, okay? First off, maybe insurance. I'm going to buy that, okay? Because I'm also insurance. I'm in title insurance and you're in like property casualty in the commercial real estate sector. So we're both in CRA. 
I never thought I'd be insurance. I didn't even know what that was, okay? Except maybe you needed it for a fire, right? So is, that kind of surprises me, and I could see how you couldn't see that coming. But come on, sales, Kate, that's in your blood. That's in your blood. I also read that when you were younger, you were literally selling vacuums door to door. Now, look at, so the writing was on the wall. Anybody that's doing that, I mean, tell us about that. I, You know, well, I mean, come on. Yes, for sure. That's how I got into sales. So I got into sales because of a pivot, I had moved to Southern California to LA in 2002. There's a whole pre-story to LA. We go into that later. But ended up in LA with my first husband. How many? Wait, how many are we going to go through? How, <laughs> wait, your first one. I mean, do how many two, do we have? Do two. we have a lot? I only have two. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm part of the two club. Yeah. I'm part of the two club. Okay, uh, good. <laughs> only two. I'm on my second and and my forever husband. So. <laughs> Awesome. Me too. Me Hopefully too. no more than two. Okay. So I ended up in LA. My ex-husband was from Florence, Italy. I too mm. spent some time in Florence. That again is the backstory. We can go into that at a later point. But I, uh, we moved out to LA and the company my ex-husband was with had a round of layoffs. And so we needed some income. Oh, I love this. We're going to talk about this later. Yes. Okay. Because that's, that's my situation today. Okay. So he had, he was laid off. He was laid off. We owned a business together, but we needed, I knew someone needed to get a job. So I went to a, uh, I lived in Hermosa <laughs> Beach that helps. and went to a job fair at LAX. How old was I? Uh, I want to say 26, maybe 28. Okay. Yeah. Mid twenties. Uh, walked the floor at this job fair and stopped in front of the Electrolux vacuum cleaner booth. And the guy <laughs> said, come in to interview. I went for this interview. It was straight out of a movie. It was a room with like race car flags everywhere. There might have been like 15 people sitting around while this guy told the story about what they do and how you could have a great career selling vacuum cleaners. And so was his, he, a good, he was a good salesman because you were, you were, you know, hook, line and sinker, right? He was fabulous at his job. He was, yeah. I think his name, if I remember correctly, was Boris and he was so good at it. And he said before leaving, anyone that's interested, please call me this afternoon at 2 p.m. And so I waited and at 2 p.m. I called right away and I got a job, but they would have given anybody a job. And I went in <laughs> the first day, learned about the vacuum cleaners, and then just started going door to door in uh, South Bay, Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, knocking on doors. And how they did it was they didn't do any advertising. You would go in and offer a clean uh, shampoo cleaning of the carpet at no charge. Okay. Yeah, see what the product can do. See what mm -hmm. the product can do, but in return, you asked uh, for you know fifteen friends and family that might be interested in the same opportunity. It's always about getting on the list. Yeah. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about sales. I'm sure I, I had been selling my whole life different things, but I'd never been in a quote unquote sales role, and I killed it. I sold on <laughs> my first day, I sold a $1,200 vacuum 
shampooer, air purifying set. All right. Well, this, you know, this doesn't surprise me. Do you know what? I had an Electrolux too. When I got married the first time as well, my mother-in-law was a big Electrolux fan. I mean, and they were expensive. And I think my first one was a gift from her and they worked really well. And then, you know, down the years when I needed to replace it and come up with my own cash for it. Um, but, the, but great product, great product. But, but wait, ho- hold a beat. Okay. Cause now if you are selling vacuums, I'm thinking this is like in high school when I saw no. Okay. So you're an no. adult. You've already graduated college. What was the job that you and your first husband were doing that kind of fell by the wayside? What, what type of work was that? Okay. So when I graduated, I did my junior abroad in Florence, Italy. Is that where you met him? That's where I met him. Yep. Okay. And then went back, finished up my senior year, and then I moved back and we started an advertising agency together. And so okay. we ran an advertising agency in Florence for four years. And then we moved back to the US. A customer of ours was in the plastics industry, and they were servicing construction, and they wanted to expand Mm -hmm. globally, they wanted to expand into the US. My family, I grew up in Connecticut, my family had a place down in Naples, Florida, and Naples, Florida was just exploding, there was construction all over the place. So we moved to Naples, Florida. And tried to help this gentleman get into the U.S. market. And in the meantime, uh, in tandem, we were also, it's so random, there's so many random <laughs> stories to my life. We were Mem- Memory in, lane. Memory lane. Yeah. We were importing olive oil. That was one of the things that we started doing from Italy. And then we were just picking up, once we got to the U.S., helping him infiltrate the U.S. market and then also doing some, at that time, the kind of web was really starting to boom and people were looking for websites and things like that. So we started doing jobs like that here locally. So that, that fell apart. That fell apart. We moved to California, Naples, Florida there at the time, there weren't a lot of 20 year olds. No, no, that people go there to retire on the East coast. Okay. So yeah, retire. So we said, hey, let's go to L.A. We had visited Hermosa Beach on a vacation one time and we loved it. And my ex-husband got a job with Vespa, with Piaggio, who manufactures Vespa motor scooters. And that's how we got out to L.A. And then then I found myself in dire need of a job one day. And boom, I sold uh, vacuum cleaners door to door. Okay, but I know that was, I don't know how brief that stint was, but I know that your career prior to being with the short partners was in tech. Yes. Right? You spent a long time in tech, and that is a male-dominated industry by and large, right? So yes. let me know, how did we stop selling vacuums and get into what would be more, you know, a more prominent position and be in the tech industry? So probably my second weekend, third weekend selling vacuum cleaners, I vacuum shampooed this gentleman's (laughs) floor and he owned a sun microsystems reseller and he hired me. Okay. So that's how I got into the tech industry. So I started selling sun microsystems, which is data center hardware. Wait, 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 back up. A client of yours with the Electrolux, like he was a customer. He just saw something within you. Yes. And thought you would be so great at this, right? Yes. So you know what? This goes to show you the power of networking. You don't even know where the next opportunity is going to come from. And when you're acting just like, you know, organically, like being who you are, what you can attract in terms of like your next opportunity, 
right? People, you know, so they can true. see, you know, who, yeah, the qualities within you. That's fantastic. So you went into Sun Microsystems. Yeah. It, it also was selling vacuum. I, again, I never would have ever looked to go into sales. And I love sales more than anything else uh, as far as a career choice. I just, it just fit perfectly. And I never would have done it unless I stumbled into the need to do uh, go find a job and, and, and selling that. And so he hired me. And then from there, it just kept, I just kept kind of transitioning up. Escalating. And, mm-hmm. But you know, it, 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 I'm curious because when you say that you never thought you'd go into sales prior to getting the vacuum position, <laughs> right? Isn't advertising just by it? design, really marketing and getting things out there. So even though you may not be promoting yourself, you're curating somebody else's brand so that they can be highlighted and, you know, attractive to their clientele. So there's a sales component there. You know, you may just not have felt like you were on the front end of it. I mean, certainly knocking on doors is, you know, now you're the face of your brand, right? And so that's a little bit more you know, it, probably intimidating and, and, and forward facing, but I'm not at all surprised that you're in sales. I mean, because that really is just woven into who you are as a personality, right? Yes. And um, I, so, yeah, this doesn't surprise me at all. Now, when you were in the tech industry, tell us a little bit about what you were doing because you were in a couple of different companies, but for a long period each time, Right. I mean, you know, like five years here, seven years there. Just just highlight that for a second. Sure. So I, it started with Sun Microsystems, uh, which is data center hardware. I was selling to end users. So corporations I would sell to into their IT group. Then I took a position with a company down here in Orange County. They were uh, in Irvine. They were a data center hardware distributor. So I went from selling into corporations. I moved to the distributor. Now I was selling into resellers, which is where I was at the Mm -hmm. previous job. And it was so fun. It was such a a, amazing place. Everybody was type A. Again, that's straight out of a movie too. (laughs) It was like a bullpen, all men and me. I was the only female sales exec and it was a absolute blast. We had a great time. It was a fast growing company. We moved a lot of gear, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, was with them for, gosh, seven, almost seven and a half years. And then I had an opportunity come up to get into the software business and I pivoted to software. Mm-hmm. I was a uh, part owner of a software group uh, that focused on apparel and footwear manufacturers. And I was with them, oh gosh, I want to say almost eight years until the end of 2020, where I exited at the end of 2020 and then was playing hooky. Uh, Okay. No, wait, wait. Let's pause. Let's pause. We're in 2020. 2020 is a big year for everybody. Okay. (laughs) Because COVID, COVID happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. To the universe. Okay. It wasn't particular to any one industry, any one state, anyone, anything. Right. So with that 
pause that we all experienced where nobody knew, like, were we going back to work? Were we going to be doing work? Where were our clients, right? I mean, there was such an upheaval. Is that really when you took a step back or was there a big layoff? Like for me, they were doing temporary layoffs because it was mandated by the company. And, you know, pretty much, I guess, makes sense of the lack of dollars they saw coming in. Um, nobody expected it to last as long as it did. But what was going on with your job then? Were you just uh, ready to leave? Were you already kind of toying with the idea of a future opportunity that was on the table? A little bit of all of the above. We did have success in 2020 because the software we were selling allowed people to transact remotely. So there was a need for our software during that time. But really the opportunity with my business partners, the just the best way to kind of say is it just kind of ran its course, you know, and it was time. Yes, okay. It was time to make a move. And I did. So everybody left on, on good terms? <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> as yes good as an exit no. can be yeah, yeah. I, you know okay. I think it's like a marriage right you you go in with mm-hmm. hopes and dreams of what it can be you uh, get beat up along the way everybody has a lot more gray hairs because <laughs> of the journey but uh, well don't 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 I know don't I know that I mean I'm going through it right now I'm going through it right now yeah I want to read something because you know I we will in the show notes um put how you can get in touch with Kate and um Uh, Okay, you're LinkedIn. You have the most poetic posts. The things that you write, the way you write, the analogies that you make are really powerful. Okay, I want to read something. I got like what I'm going to call Katieisms. Okay, Um, I guess when you're describing in one of your posts, this is an excerpt from a bigger post about your career journey, and it reads: My own career journey has led me from the high tech fast-paced world of technology to the often overlooked field of insurance. Some might wonder, insurance, Kate? After technology, why insurance? The excitement is not in the flashy innovations or cutting-edge technology. It's in the fundamental purpose. The real meaning is found in the commitment to safeguard futures, to protect dreams, and to foster resilience in the face of uncertainty. It's about empowering individuals and organizations to navigate their own journeys with confidence and peace of mind. Now, come on, sister. I love it. I love that. (laughs) Right? And so, I mean, in a nutshell, that is really, I guess, accurately describing why you're embracing this position you've had for a couple of years now and why you're so darn good at it. I think one thing that I find so amazing about the world of insurance and thinking back on my career in tech, a good friend of mine sells IP, intellectual property. Mm-hmm. She basically sells the engineers, the minds for products that have never been created. So an example of this would be like the Mars Rover. So Mars Rover, they want to create it. How do you even go about doing that? And they turn to her company because they have the engineers and the brilliant minds that can map out how something like this can be created. The chips in all of our cell phones come out of that company as well. And when she told me, she's in sales, and when she told me what she did years ago, I immediately translated and said, oh, no, you have the coolest job on earth because you sell dreams. You dreams can't become a reality without 
what you provide and what you sell. And I always thought, wow, that's the coolest job ever. And it wasn't until I landed in insurance that I realized, oh my goodness, all these years, I really wanted to sell that product, a dream. And I'm doing Mm -hmm. that right now. I'm protecting the dreams. And without this piece of the pie, everybody's hard work, everything that they spent so much time creating and building and teams of people coming in and making it better and scaling it, it can all go away. And so that piece is something I absolutely love about what I do today. So you had that light bulb moment. You know what? Just sometimes it comes out of the blue and all of a sudden it's like connecting the dots, right? There was something about her career and her purpose that resonated with you. And then all of a sudden you saw how that fit in what you're doing now, right? And I mean, that really just furthers the commitment that we have to our jobs, right? And our jobs aren't the only things we do. I want you to tell me a little, because I did not know this. So what do you mean you're an Ironman finisher? <laughs> what, what, what is that going on? Okay. Like, like what is that? <laughs> are you, are you that sporty? Well, I, yeah. that was a while back. Well, I, I, you know, you told me not to go with years and I then continue to tell you years. So let's see, how old was I when I completed Ironman? I was probably 32 or 33, 34. Well, that's a big deal. Was yeah. it, were you already a mom? Not a mom. Nope. I became a mom at 36. Okay. First time mom at 36. First time mom at 36. Right. And I, it was right after my husband, we had been together for 10 years. We were married for four mm-hmm. and a half. And when we split up, I had been doing triathlons. I think the longest distance I had done was an Olympic. And I went to an LA tri meeting meetup and there was a little pamphlet for Ironman. And I looked at it and I was like, well, if I'm ever going to do an Ironman, this is the time to do it. I don't, I don't have, you know, I don't, I'm not in a relationship. I don't have kids. That never, that never occurred to me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so you just did it. What's the training for that? Like it was intense. So I, I did have a cycling coach and I sent him the, what I, you know, Hey, I signed up for this. Can you help me prepare? And he wrote me back and he said, Oh my goodness, are you serious? Do you know that there's 10,000 feet of climbing in the cycling leg of this Ironman? And that meant nothing to me. I was like, okay. So we spent the whole summer in Malibu, in the mountains up in Malibu. And we would do 130 mile rides, 10,000 feet of climbing, 12,000 feet of climbing. It was insane. Okay. I'm learning so much about you. And this is what I really want to highlight and celebrate. Okay. I see you as like the sign up girl. Okay. So here, okay. And what I mean by that is here you are in front of an Electrolux, you know, job fair booth. And then here you are just seeing a pamphlet and an opportunity to do Ironman. And it never occurred to you to look at the obstacles. You just looked at a path that seemed attractive and you wanted to go for it. And let me tell you, that is unique. And I'll tell you, it'll, it's really necessary if you're going to be successful in sales, right? So you, you know, you're like that whole glass full person, not glass half empty person, right? And that, that's, um, that's very helpful considering what you do. And you know what? It just makes life a little bit brighter. I also am very much like that, although it never occurred 
refer to me to sign up for Iron Man to tell you the truth. But, you know, when we talk about motherhood and things that would stop you from doing that, I, I had my first child at about 26 and my last, my fourth one at 36. So there was no way I was even going to fit that in, to tell you the truth. Like during the years that I was physically capable of pulling it off, you know, that I was on a hiatus. I was pretty much pregnant all the time. So you were in a full time Ironman. Are you kidding me? I Well, I guess, I guess <laughs> yes. we could say that. But but, you know, I've always kind of like had a sense of envy over that type of um, accomplishment, you know, when I see it in other people. But uh, and not to say the ship has sailed. You can do whatever you want to do, except I have a broken toe right now that like literally prevents me from doing anything. Anything that's um, you know, yeah, can't, I can't even wear a sneaker yet. So, so there's that. Okay, but enough of that. So, tell us a little bit too, because I love to dive into like the personal side of career women and the success that they have, like you know, just behind the the door that nobody even sees. Right? You're also an equestrian champion. So, you were you raised like you know on horses? What what did that look like? Yes. So I grew up in Connecticut. I grew up in um, Southport, Connecticut, and I lived, oh gosh, I used to ride my bike. So I don't know how far, maybe a mile, two miles, five miles. I don't know. It was close Mm -hmm. enough for me to ride my bike to one of the most successful equestrian stables in the country. And I grew up riding with a gentleman named Emerson Burr. He was a 70 plus year old man. He, this beautiful country club with this gorgeous polo field. I don't even know. They must have 50, 60 acres. He would ride around on his red Honda scooter with his 1950s fedora on. And he was a champion maker. He built champions for a living. He was a World War II veteran that came back, got, went to Wall Street, was on Wall Street for a mm-hmm. short period of time and realized this isn't for me, left and and did this. Well, you know, I'm watching your, your eyes light up here, okay? So I'm saying to myself, did you briefly consider going that direction as a career? I mean, was Absolutely. that a passion? It's amazing. Yeah, okay. It's, a, it's really- So you were supposed to ride horses, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> you were supposed to compete. It's really strange that I don't ride and that I'm not on a horse because that was my passion. And, you know, uh, it's a very, very expensive sport. So I didn't. Oh, yes, it is. It's so expensive. I wasn't in a position. My family wasn't in a position to buy me horses, but I loved it. And I happened to be darn good at it. So I was lucky enough where people would have me ride their show horses and they oh, would, I'd get a fabulous. cut of the winnings. So when I was young, that was my job. I would take home a cut of the winnings and I got to ride the best horses and go win nationals. Oh, okay. It was amazing. I loved every second of it. And how did what what occurred that wrapped that up? Like was it like you were then going to school? Like what what interrupted that? Yes. So you're a junior till you're 18 and then you become yes. an amateur or maybe you become a pro or professional, but really in okay. that world, you ride for a family, you know, or you become a trainer and there's no real riding in college. Once you're at such an elite level, there, there are schools that have equestrian uh, facilities and they have teams, but it isn't like a step up. It's not like basketball there. You'd go to a division one school and ride. So you've, you've seen, um, 
you kind of saw the writing on the wall then too, right? That you were going to enjoy it for as long as you were like younger and then you were going to go to school. Yes. And then I knew too, hey, I looked around at all these people who had uh, their kids had these amazing animals and I said, all right, I'm going to go get into business so I can buy my own amazing animals and mm-hmm. I yeah. can do my, I can ride on my own terms, not for a, for a family or a farm or something like that. So, yeah, I, I've never, I've never, well, I've been on a horse once or twice, usually on a vacation like setting, but never, never rode. But my kids did ride in Mendham, New Jersey. We had a little bit of that. So to everybody out there that is listening, it is Friday. I'm in the Friday mode. Um, I've been experiencing a lot of pivots this week. And, you know, Kate and I were scheduled to talk and she knew what was going down. And I said to her, you know, I don't typically focus on on my life on this podcast, um, but um, nobody better than to be like laughing it up with her, you know, and you've had pivots. And it sounds like the pivots you had were strategic and directional and intentional, right? As far as your career goes, right? And I would say that, to, to some degree for myself, that would be true. However, as you know, right before we got on was like the last moments of me working for my current company. I'm in commercial title insurance and uh, reporting to New York, even though I live in California. So when Kate and I jumped on to record this episode at 2 p.m. California time, it was five in New York. And that was the cutoff time for me to no longer be employed by a company of which I won't name just because I don't even want to name it, not because I'm not mad at it necessarily, but it is what it is. It's the past. We'll close the door on that. But that pivot was very strange. And so unbeknownst to uh, hundreds and hundreds of us, uh, we were going to be laid off today. And we only just found out like within this week. In fact, the CEO didn't even make an announcement until yesterday. But we heard about it behind closed doors. And so they were acquired and the um, new owner of the company decided, I guess, that they didn't see all the divisions necessary other than a very, very small one that was aligned with their business model. So everybody has been um, laid off in the commercial division that I work across this country, anybody in acquisition work. And in one fell swoop, it's like, poof, we're gone. Now, I mean, it's uncomfortable for several reasons, right? Because first of all, the disruption, I'm in sales, need to move over clients, find them a home. So I can't even, I don't have the luxury of even taking a break and saying, you know what, I'm going to take two weeks, figure it out. I have a little money in the bank. That that really can't exist. And more than that, I'm saying goodbye to a team that I, I really became you know, I, I love them. They're friends, right? You're, you're, yeah. you're, you know, in, in the foxhole. Oh, we're going to talk about foxholes in a minute because you mentioned that LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, you're doing that. You're in the trenches together, yeah. right? So today's kind of like a, 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 not a sad day, but it's just like, ugh, you know, it, it, it's kind of just, and, and it wasn't done well. The way they wrapped this up, like just the whole, how they were sold. I mean, the leadership was so incredibly poor and a lot of us are just questioning, you know, and we're a little bit bitter about it. But, um, you know, here's the upside because Kate, you're a really great networker and I am too. And, you know, we network in a lot of the same circles. And because of that and because of my experience, I was able to be swooped up immediately and I didn't shop this I didn't shop this at all, actually. It came from a casual conversation. And even though I had some phone calls coming my way and opportunities of what I'm very grateful for, I didn't further explore them beyond the one that I knew felt right. So let's talk about like when when our gut 
matches our brain. Like we're like your head is telling you yes, and your gut is telling you yes. And when you honor that, I didn't. I wasn't going to like try to see if I get the high. I'm going to be paid well. I mean, there's no, you know, there is that. But I wasn't thinking. Oh, can I get more from another company? Should I take these other calls? I had two meaningful conversations, and you know, with this company, and I was, I was just, you know. I had that calling, like you, this is where you belong. And I, and I knew it. And so that was the end of it. That was the end of the search, you know? So I do have a place to land that will be formally announced next week. Congratulations. Um, But very, very excited. So it's really weird. Like I'm glad it's Friday, TGIF to everybody, right? (laughs) But, you know, I'm kind of holding court with the emotions of, you know, just, uh, I'm a little disgusted by the way my company handled this, not just about me, about everybody. And I'm also elated and grateful that I found a new home and the opportunities that are within that position because the feedback is already really, really great. So, you know, talk about unscripted pivots, right? Here I am, Danielle, your host, experiencing a major one. And you know what? It's it's okay, right? We're going to be resilient about it. And, um, you know, it's just, I'm looking forward to what's happening. So, you know, your pivots have seen, they're big going from tech to commercial real estate and doing insurance. Yeah. But, you know, they were, they were deliberate, right? And so that's good. Have you ever experienced what I'm experiencing now where a company shuts down or otherwise is kind of really secretive about their next move and then there's a mass layoff? I think the thing that has been hard for me in the past is when, I don't know if it's, watching somebody that you trust do something that's not trustworthy or, you know, you, yeah. they, you know, you have these values and you think you have shared values and it's always hard to see or experience when something or somebody does something that is, is out of context or doesn't make sense. And it, and it feels like what you thought you knew about that person isn't, isn't yes. true. So, mm-hmm. and the, I think one thing, as I've made pivots in my career, I've always missed my relationships with my clients. All my clients started from, I didn't know who they were, and I picked up a phone and had a conversation with them, or I met them. And then they're not just clients, but they're also friends. So I do always miss that. And my coworkers and colleagues, like you said, that you're in the trenches with and that you work with all the time. And and time does help move you forward and ne- to the next sure. chapter. But when you make the pivot, leaving that behind is always um, sad and hard. And then- you know, I like I like the point you just made though, because you know you said shared values, and that kind of hit a chord with me. And I thought, you know what, that's kind of really where I'm feeling uncomfortable and unsettled because I recognize that. The shared values I thought we had, we didn't. Yep. And you, you, yeah. And so it's, and I'm fortunate that in as much as my clients are coming with me and I'll have those relationships intact, but I will miss the people I was working with. So hopefully my new company has a need for those, those roles and, you know, they can come along. You know, you have to look at it. You have to say, you know, is this a setback? 
Or is this a setup, a setup for better stuff, right? Because every time we pivot, we don't always know where it's going to bring us. And some of these pivots, you know, are not by our design. That's why on this podcast, I say, you know, the WTF moments, right? What the bleep, right? Yeah. And, and really, WTF here stands for women that flourish. We're going to take in the information. We're going to take in the pivot. And we're going to have faith and resilience over it. Not to say that you can't have a moment, you know, where you're like, what, you know, what's going on? But really, it's about responding and not reacting, right? It's about setting ourselves up for like the best next move. Absolutely. In our professional and personal life. Because anything that happens in your professional life impacts your personal life. So true. I mean, right? So true. You know, financially, emotionally, these things are interwoven, you know, for women, you know, men too, but we're here to talk about the ladies. <laughs> and, you know, I, I had to think about it and I said, you know, you're going to just do this and respond to this and not react and you're going to do it in a healthy way. You know, I could have just went to the donut store and like, you know, got myself 12 donuts and like binged on chocolate, you know. Uh, I, I'm not a drinker, as you probably already know. And so like I wasn't going to drink myself to death because I don't do that, you know. Yep. Uh, but those things, that's what we call costly coping. And I see it too often where people to feel better will do things that will cost them. Costly coping. You know, I didn't come up with that term. I heard it somewhere and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So this week has been more about, you know, taking some walks and as much as I can with a broken toe, but just doing some healthy things to relax, laughing, watching movies with my husband at night and just saying, yeah, this is happening and Friday at two o'clock, you know, right. and, um, you know, just having the conversations around that to get to the next place. But, you know, you know, pivots are going to come whether they are invited or not. Very true. And it's it's how we uh, respond to them that really makes a difference. Well, right? and being okay with going through that process of grieving, I you know, to use a term, you know, even if you don't yeah. necessarily feel like you're grieving, but there is a loss, right? So you've had a major loss, yeah. even though it's the loss that opens the door to something greater and better and more rewarding. And so as you kind of walk through that and leave the past behind into your bright future, it's okay to have those feelings and to acknowledge yes. them. It's important, and- right? You're Kate, you're right. And, and you know, grieving sounds like a heavy word, but the truth is, you know, it all goes back to self-awareness. All right. And and not living in denial. So having that acceptance, right? We first have to be aware of it. Then we have to accept it. And then we have to choose an action according to it. But that's a process, mm-hmm. right? And we have to go through it, not around it. Anytime you go around it, guess what? It's waiting for you on the other side. It's, it's waiting, waiting for, you. for you. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's how I, I, in hindsight, the Iron Man I did, you know, instead of going to a bar and drinking at night and, and things like that. I was out being physical and, and doing a lot, tremendous amount well, yeah. of exercise. <laughs> I would say, I would say. But it helped me work through those hours on a bike or those hours in a pool, whatever it may be. It helped me kind of work through, wow, I just, my relationship of 10 years had ended. And I'm so thankful mm-hmm. for those days where I was training because that really even though I'm happy that it had ended and was ready, it was it was a good thing. I don't know that I knew that that the um, the training for that was 
after the first marriage. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, see that that's really important to like actually like understand because what a wonderful way for you to channel that transition. Mm-hmm. Because not only did it probably keep you away from like, you know, overeating, overdrinking and all the things we do, right? You, you had to be physical. So you stepped up to the plate because, you know, that was what was on the, the schedule to actually participate and finish yeah. that Ironman. But through that process, you got to meet Kate. You got to see and test what your endurance was, right? Yes. And your resilience. And yes. these are the things that when we follow through on and we don't renegotiate our goals, right? Yep. And when we follow through, you can't help but to come out on the other side with more self-esteem, more self-respect, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it spills into everything else. Yep. It spills into everything else. Like you grew up because of that. Yeah. So that, that, how terrific is that? That's fantastic. I love to hear it. And I do feel like a lot of my pivots... Well, all of my pivots, you know, they've all been at the right time for the right reasons, putting me into the next forward step or the next chapter. Mm -hmm. That's really important part of the journey. And if I hadn't had pivots, I don't know, the journey wouldn't have been as exciting as it has been. That's for darn sure. (laughs) All right. So let me ask you one last question. What's on the horizon for you next? I mean, in your professional or personal life, what's Kate thinking about? What's what's driving you today? Well, I think one thing, you know, going just to speak about dyslexia, I my son is uh, dyslexic. Okay, we found out he was dyslexic when he was in kindergarten. So learning all about dyslexia is really interesting. Uh, And first of all, one of the parents is dyslexic. It's either myself or my husband. And after learning all about dyslexia, I would definitely raise my hand and say, oh, wow, I must be (laughs) dyslexic. Yeah. So what are you doing around that? It's, It's your volunteer work, right? Well, one thing that's so amazing about the dyslexic mind is that Ernst & Young, they did a a white paper, I don't know the date, I want to say it was 2021, maybe that they did a white Mm -hmm. paper around the future of work and the skills required for the future of work as AI and technology pick up a lot of the redundant, repetitive tasks that we all spend so much of our day wasting our day on. And they mapped it to the dyslexic mind and they said the future of work, the dyslexic mind is the perfect, uh, has the perfect skill sets for what's going to be required in the future. And those are things like empathy, the ability to read another person and have empathy, the ability to see big picture things, almost see uh, not the tree, but the forest and connect dots. Is that characteristics particular to people with dyslexia? Yes, yes. And uh, the- I uh, I didn't know that. British intelligence agency seeks out dyslexics because they have the ability to see things and patterns that other can, others cannot. And to name a few famous dyslexics, Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, Charles Schwab, oh. Albert Einstein, the list goes on. Okay, Co- really successful people. Yes. Extremely <laughs> brilliant minds. Something like 65% of self-made millionaires are dyslexic. One in five people, I think I mentioned that. So 
having a son who is a brilliant mind, but unfortunately mm-hmm. living in a world that it has been set up for skills that are weaknesses for him mm-hmm. is very interesting. And, and for me, I think I really want to shine a light and I try to talk about dyslexia a lot. And especially in the workforce, I think we need to focus on each individual's strengths and how can we surround Mm -hmm. that person and elevate their strengths and really put them on the path to what they can really achieve instead of sitting there beating them down because maybe the things that they're not great at or the challenges they have are, you know, going to set them back or hold them back. So it's like, hey, how can we as an organization and how can we in our community really foster all each person's individual strengths. Well, you know, that's that's such, it's so cool because it's things like this that occur into our life that we didn't actually invite in, right? And then they happen and then how they create that pivot. So now that that situation gave you a purpose, but not only just to defend or help your son, but also a beautiful way to learn more about the condition and what the upsides are. Cause you know, otherwise you'd be like, Oh, that's somebody who reads backwards or sees numbers backwards. And that's a life of struggle. And now you're highlighting for me some things I didn't know. And I'll end with this. If you're ever doing any fundraiser around that or any kind of, not an iron man, I'm not down with that. Okay. <laughs> but well, my, my broken toe heals, right. I'll, I'll go on the, let's walk the five miles. Let's raise money. Yes. We, we could talk all day, but the episode has to come to an end. I want to thank you for coming on. I wish you a great weekend and we will catch up soon. Thanks for coming on. Such a pleasure. Such an honor. Thank you, Danielle. Before you go, I really want to thank you for joining me today. I really do appreciate you. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate and review Unscripted Pivots on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve and reach more listeners just like yourself. And remember to subscribe to stay updated on future episodes released every Wednesday morning. I have more great content and stories from WTF women coming your way. Until then.